Yeah, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on, everybody? This is the January 26th, 2020 episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, James Bell. I am the lead editor for the Boxing Source website. You could catch boxing articles at theboxingsource.net I also serve as the lead boxing analyst for the cohort Truth on Sports you could uh, catch articles on the CHT on sports.com as well and you could catch us on social media uh, through Facebook The Boxing Source uh, Twitter at Boxing Source 2 uh, Instagram at the Boxing Source and uh, YouTube. Look up the Boxing Source channel, and you can find uh, videos there. Number to dial is three four seven two three seven five five three nine. Once again, that is three four seven two three seven five five three nine. Press the one key to get on queue, and you'll be able to give your take. On the sport of boxing, um, you know, just uh, going through this show here, I pretty much have a few things to cover. Uh, but of course, the sporting world has been rocked by uh, what happened earlier today um, in California as a helicopter crash uh, took place this morning uh, and former Laker great Kobe Bryant was in that helicopter um, him along with eight other uh, people that's been recently reported through the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department uh, did not survive the crash uh, so um Kobe Bryant uh, has passed away at the age of 41 years old. Um, Included in the crash was uh, his oldest daughter. Uh, They were uh, on the way to a youth uh, basketball uh, game. I think that uh, his daughter was supposed to be involved in. Um, But uh, it, I guess, um, you know, things with the helicopter. Um, I guess it was a failure in the helicopter. I guess we'll get more information on what happened um, 
that caused the crash uh, later on. Uh, but, you know, Laker great uh, guy that was a member of the Lakers for 20 seasons um, was the 13th overall pick in the NBA draft, uh, originally drafted to the Charlotte Hornets, uh, but was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers in a draft day trade. Uh, so he was, you know, included in that roster along with when they acquired Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, so uh, he was, of course, part of the Laker team when uh, Shaquille O'Neal uh, joined the Lakers from being a member of the Orlando Magic. He eventually won uh, three NBA championships together. Um, you know, Kobe ended up staying with the Lakers when uh, Shaq left for Miami. Um, and then later on down the line, uh, Kobe Bryant won uh, NBA championships against the Orlando Magic and the Boston Celtics for him to have five NBA championships. Um, he was an 18-time All-Star um, and is known as one of the greatest uh, players of this generation and among the greatest players of all time. Um, know that he did attend a few uh, boxing events uh, over the course of his life, um, and he has been, you know, acquainted with some uh, basketball or, uh, excuse me, boxing superstars um, over the course of his life. Um, so I know that you'll, you'll eventually hear from multiple um, boxers in reference to paying homage to Kobe Bryant. I know that, uh, you know, most side division world champion Clarissa Seals has uh, done that uh, earlier. And so I know that we'll be getting more from more uh, noted uh, boxers or columnists in the sport of boxing or, you know, promoters um, in reference to the passing of Kobe Bryant. Um, so, Definitely wanted to open uh, with that as the sports world has, you know, been rocked by this news of Kobe Bryant passing at the age of 41. Um, now, just uh, moving uh, forward here, we have, you know, the events that did take place at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, you have the main event uh, there as, you know, former uh, two-division world champion Danny Garcia uh, took on Ivan Redcatch uh, in the main event there at Barclays Center. I uh, had Danny Garcia uh, coming in with a record of 35 wins and two losses. Uh, of course, the, you know, two losses uh, to <clears throat> uh, Keith Thurman and to Sean Porter. Um you know, Keith Thurman uh, bout was a you know unification uh, bout of sorts, and then he had the uh, opportunity to uh, get that WBC 
welterweight championship back uh, in September of 2018 against Sean Porter, but ended up losing by decision uh, there. And he had a fight last year against Adrian Granados, where he scored a KO victory. Uh, And he was waiting to challenge Errol Spence Jr. uh, for the WBC and IBF welterweight championships after Errol Spence won by decision against Sean Porter. Um, But, of course, with the circumstances that happened with Errol Spence and his car accident, um, that made him unavailable uh, to fight at this particular date of January 25th, as it was planned for Errol Spence and Danny Garcia to fight on uh, January 25th. So they ended up keeping the date for Danny Garcia and had Ivan Redcatch as his opponent. Uh, Redcatch coming in with a record of 23 wins, four losses, and one draw. Uh, he had a recent win over Devin Alexander uh, that was in uh, June of 2019. Uh, did, you know, have uh, earlier fights where he lost to uh, guys in lower weight divisions, uh, but then, you know, moved up uh, to Welsh Waiting. Uh, he did score two KO victories. Uh, in 2019 uh, before his fight against Danny Garcia. And so, you know, this is something for uh, Danny Garcia to kind of like keep himself within, uh, you know, contention and things like that. Um, Within the welterweight division, he had uh, served as the, you know, the top guy uh, in the WBC rankings. Um, And, you know, also has uh, been placed in, the WBO rankings as well. Um, actually, with the WBC correction, uh, he is placed at number two. Uh, he's also was placed at number two in the WBA uh, rankings um, under your Dennis Ugas. Um, but you know, he still you know was floated around as a contender for a world championship and so you know this particular bout was you know have him still active in the ring against an opponent uh in Ivan Redcatch and um you know this is kind of like something where for me I um highly favored uh Danny Garcia to you know win this particular bout um and you know, for him to, I guess, kind of like see if he would be able to, you know, get back into his um, little streak or whatnot. Uh, but, you know, with Redcatch uh, there kind of uh, being in a southpaw stance of sorts, kind of like... uh semi-nullified the effectiveness of Danny Garcia's left hook, which is usually um, what he uses to get his advantage over uh, most of his opponents. Um, But you know, here it was, you know, basically 
Garcia taking advantage of um, you know his you know experience that he's had in the ring against you know higher caliber opponents than what Ivan Reck has had, and uh, this you know led for him to get the unanimous decision victory um, over Ivan Redcatch. You'll get one score of 118-110 and two scores of 117-111, uh, which means 10 rounds to two and two scores of nine rounds to three. Um, you know, this this is... You know, for some, they would they would say that this was a fairly, um, you know, uneventful main event thing. Um, you know, no necessary knockdowns. Uh, you know, nothing. You know, where you kind of uh, had your know, red catching uh, real uh, trouble um, or serious trouble. Up until the uh, ninth, up until uh, before the ninth round, um, when a physician ended up, you know, scoping a red cat to see if he was fine, if he was okay. Um, but you know, red cats wanted to, you know, have more action and and, and things like that. But um, There was this, you know, it, it just showed that Red Catch was overmatched on uh, this particular bout. So, Danny Garcia, um, you know, gets the win. Uh, he has his record uh, now at 36 wins and two losses. Um, he's still, you know, pretty much uh, trying to figure out what's going to be happening next in the welterweight division. Uh, like, you know, you still have, like I said, the. Um, Unified Welterweight Champion Errol Spence Jr. Trying to figure out what he's going to do next. We have talked about what is, you know, potentially out there for Errol Spence Jr. Uh, we've had a previous guest on the show um, say that Errol Spence might not uh, be in action for all of 2020, while you know others have said that he may be uh, returning to the ring. Uh, by summer of this year, and it could possibly be against the WBA champion Manny Pacquiao. So um, it's basically the welterweight division uh, is kind of like locked on where Earl Spence Jr. is at this particular point, coming off of that major accident that he had in Texas and whether he is, you know, able to get back in the ring sometime this year. Uh, If he's good enough to be training and then after that, uh, if he'll be able to get back into the ring uh, this year. Uh, So that's kind of, you know, what we're looking at here with Danny Garcia is that he's basically going to be, having that waiting game, uh, you know, out there. He's going to be, you know, playing that waiting game uh, to see what happens with Errol Spence Jr. Um, I mean, 
I don't see anything where they're kind of like considering um, him having a rematch with Sean Porter, uh, with Sean Porter being the number one contender for the WBC uh, version of the Welterweight Championship. Uh, you have um, your Dennis Ugas uh, that's out there that, you know, will be um, fighting Mike Dallas Jr. Uh, so that that leaves, you know, Ugas um, pretty much occupied. Uh, you have to see what's up with Sergey Lipinets as well. Um, so a lot of things that are still up in the air or still need to be sorted out in the welterweight division. Um, but, you know, with the two or three top guys, of course, you have the WBO champion, Terrence Crawford. You got to see what's going to be up with him. You know, there was a possibility that he may fight Sean Porter, but that's being dismissed. Um, and like I said, Manny Pacquiao, we don't know what's going to be next with him. Um so we pretty much have to, you know, sit it out um, and see what, what happens with uh, those guys before we see if Danny Garcia will be back in action uh, sometime later this year. That's uh, one thing that has to be sorted out uh, before we, you know, get things uh, situated within the welterweight division. So, um you know those that you know those that you know have followed me over the years have not been much of a fan of Danny Garcia. Um, so with this, you know, with this type, of, with this performance that has uh, happened here, that's you know not, you know, you wouldn't necessarily consider it as being uh, very impressive. Then uh, I don't know what to. You know, I don't know what I could pretty much make out of it. Um, like he's he had a red catch and you know a couple of issues over the course of the bout, but you know nothing to really you know I would say seal the deal of sorts. Um, nothing to you know close the show. So you know, with that being said. I can't like pit uh, Danny Garcia against those top guys and say, "Hey, I think that he would be able to have that chance to win against those guys." Um, you know, one of the one of the guys that I haven't mentioned uh, on here is Keith Thurman. Uh, Keith Thurman, who you know did lose to Manny Pacquiao with the summer of last year. Uh, you know, seems like he's, you know, been been uh, good chilling. You know, he's been chilling. Uh, he said that he had like an injury, um, you know, from from the fight or something like that, and you know, he's been chilling. Uh, no real news about him getting back into the ring either, and a possibility of a rematch between Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman would be something that would be pivotal to see if they would still be among those top guys in the welterweight division. But, you know, with Keith Thurman, it's almost like he's going on another vacation like he did after he uh, had unified the um, titles beforehand uh, with the WBA and WBC. Um, And that's still like another good matchup that could be made, but 
you know, with the with the uncertainty of Keith Thurman's career, that is, you know, not quite in the cards as of right now. So uh, that's, you know, what we got uh, out of that particular main event. Like I said, not, not very much coming out of it, just with uh, Danny Garcia getting that unanimous decision win over Ivan Redcatch. Uh, you also did have a former unified super welterweight champion, Jared Hurd, uh, return to the ring uh, after his loss to Julian J-Rock Williams over in uh, Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, he was going up against Francisco Santana. Uh, like I said, Jared Hurd with uh, that uh, lone loss of his career, 24-1 uh, uh, against Santana, who has 25 wins, 7 losses, and 1 draw. Um, Santana had came off of a loss to Abel Ramos last year um, by unanimous decision, and of course you have Jared Hurd, who you know was pretty much followed as far as like you know what he was going to do after his loss to Julian Williams. I mean, first off. He chose not to have the rematch against Julian J. Rock Williams last year. Um, and then you had this announcement of him uh, getting back to the ring to be at the Barclays Center against Francisco Santana. Uh, and he had, you know, those intentions, intentions of, you know, later on down the line having a rematch against Julian Williams, but you know, now we see that um Julian Williams losing uh last week, you know, uh in an upset. Uh that kind of, you know, threw things off as far as like the super welterweight division is concerned, uh, with uh, Williams losing to Jason Rosario in Philadelphia. So now that the you know the titles that Jared Hurd lost to Julian Williams is now in the possession of Jason Rosario, um, so that kind of like threw off the plans a little bit uh, there for Jared Hurd. Uh, you know, I've talked talked with him you know over a year ago, um, in reference to what his plans were going to be up to this particular point. Um, and he was considering moving up to the middleweight division, but that hinged on, you know, him having his, you know, fight against J. Rock Williams, and then eventually uh, going up against, um, you know, Charlo, and then after having that fight with Charlo, then he would move up to the middleweight division. But now with his loss that he had to J-Rock Williams, that kind of threw things off a little bit. Now he's selling 154 pounds, and uh, he had his fight at the Barclays Center against um, Francisco Santana, who was basically at welterweight before this fight. Um, and he ends up getting the unanimous decision win there. And, you know, right after that, he said that he would like to face the WBC Super welterweight champion Jamal Charlo, who had recently won his title back against Tony Harrison in December. So, um, you know, that's what, you know, that's a brief thing of, you know, that particular fight. Uh, just getting the caller in here right now from the 205. You're on the Boxing Source radio show. What's good? What's going on, James? It's Mike Brady, man. How you doing? 
Uh, doing good, man. Just you know, going through what's you know happened today, man. It's it's a crazy uh, day in the sports world. Yeah, it is, man. Uh, you, you never know. You know, you never know. Got to be very mindful and um, just just seize the day, man. Just be very into the moment, you know, and not let the past or the future, you know, take away from what you can do now. So you're right. Yeah, exactly, exactly, man. Um, you know, it's 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 crazy when you have one of the most impactful uh athletes in the in the in in this generation uh you know lose a life man the way the way that you know the way that it happens man and and you know for me like listening to it like when it first broke uh just you know had me in absolute shock and and I just I mean I, I just couldn't you know bring myself to you know believe something like that. It it just took me, you know, a good while for me to you know, process it all, um, you know, after it happened, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, find out more details, you know, you're going to hear that, you know, you hear that his daughter passed too, and, you know, when they probably mm. highlight the other people and stuff, it just, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, man, it is, you know, it's something that's like, you know, blowing me up to this particular point. Um, you know, right now, um, you know, kind of like going through, you know, what's, you know, what happened over at the Barclays Center last night, uh, you had Danny Garcia get that unanimous decision victory over Ivan Redcats and, uh, Jared Hurd, uh, score victory over, uh, Francisco, uh, Santana. Um, it's like, kind of like a, overall it was a... You know, fairly uneventful card um, as far as like the what the telecast had, Showtime telecast had. You know, no, you know, no knockout victories. Um, you know, nobody seriously hurt, but you know, just you know, having the guys that were favored going into the bout pretty much have fairly easy victories uh, there. So, um, what are your thoughts about you know what happened in this particular card on Showtime? Yeah, Jared Heard, you could see that he was definitely uh, working on certain stuff. So uh, him using his size and using his reach is is definitely going to be foreign to him. So I I don't think we should we would expect him to naturally just you know do that uh, easily without without having practice. And you know people practice years to get to get good at that. So. You know, for us to expect him to just come out arms ablaze without doing what he already know, you know, it's probably take a little time. But I can respect him for definitely trying to stick to a game plan per se. And um, you know, like he sees that something like the the way that he fights is not something that's prolonged. That that's gonna be that he can keep up prolonged. You know, his career won't won't continue if he continue fighting like that. And so recognizing that he trying to change stuff and, and box or whatever, um, so it's going to look ugly before it looks better, if if it ever looks better. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that was that. And then uh, Danny Garcia, 
you know, Danny Garcia is a counterpuncher, so him fighting Red Catch at the beginning, you know, he was counting Red Catch and hitting him with them big shots, and Red Catch felt that. And once he felt that, you know, he was like, yeah, I'm not, you know, let me let me not be as aggressive because if I keep this up, this dude going to probably knock me out. So he chilled out, you know, with being the aggressor or whatever, and so – which we all knew meant that Danny Garcia wasn't going to get a knockout. If you're not coming at him, then he nine times out of ten ain't going to knock you out because he needs you to, uh, you know, like Bruce Lee, use your force against you, that type of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But what I will say, you know, Danny Garcia, people take him for granted in that, you know, they, we try to, like, say, like, he's, like, on the top echelon. He's probably, like, one of the worst top echelon fighters. I think if he fought, if he fought, um, if he fought Terrence Crawford, he would touch Terrence Crawford. Would he win the fight? Probably not. No, but he would definitely touch Terrence Crawford. And yeah. um, you know, like, could he knock Terrence Crawford out? Sure, why not? But it just really depends on how Terrence Crawford fights. But he would definitely touch Terrence Crawford, in my opinion. Um, and either Terrence Crawford would have to be mindful of, like, what he's doing in terms of, you know, like, standing in the pocket too long and, and, and that type of stuff. And I think that, um, yeah, what's his name could definitely touch him, though. But I yeah, I, I'd like say that, that uh, yeah, Garcia could, you know, definitely touch him, uh, especially going through, you know, what we saw in Terrence Crawford's last fight. Uh, that they had against Kowalskis. Um, you know, he you know, he was being timed uh by Kowalskis uh with the right hand counter. Uh so, you know, maybe, you know, Garcia could study that and, you know, do something to kind of like affect Crawford and, you know, maybe put him down to the canvas because, you know, that should have been counted as a uh knockdown scored by Kowalskis, but they didn't count it. Uh, but, you know, my thing is that, you know, Garcia should have, should have, you know, went ahead and tried to take that fight when it was offered to him. I don't think that they're going to, you know, kind of like offered, offer something like that to him again. You know, even with him being uh, ranked number one in the WBO right now. Uh, so, um you have to see, like I said, uh, what would be next for Danny Garcia. There's like so many unknowns that are out there in reference to Errol Spence Jr. and uh, what Errol Spence Jr. does next. And I don't see like any possible uh, rematches for mm-hmm. Danny Garcia against, uh, you know, a Sean Porter or against the Keith Thurman. So that's what we currently have uh, now at this particular point. Um, let me see if I can add in another caller. Um, from the 813, what's going on? You're on the Boxing Source Radio Show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Terrell calling in from Tampa. Uh, just even once again, just again on that Garcia fight. It was, it was interesting, but Red Cats just simply didn't have enough firepower for him despite being a softball and everything. Just didn't have enough firepower, and now that enough experience on that pro level. And when you fast forward uh, to the post fight, right, like you're saying, who, 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 who's basically – the next viable opponent for Danny Garcia uh, is not going to be Errol Spence Jr. because we know he's, he's out of commission right now, despite what his camp is saying. Uh, Pacquiao, 
you you would think that could happen, given that uh, that he's on the PBC banner, things like that. Uh, but at the same time, we already we already know what that says. Pacquiao's political career takes presence first now, and so it's going to be some uh, uh, basis, uh, somewhat of a significant delay for him to even announce and sit down and start looking at the opponents. So, so it definitely won't be Pacquiao. The one good thing I like about this, Garcia gets to fight in January, first part of the year. So with that said, uh, he should really have three fights this year, if, if not four. He says he wants to stay active. Uh, he's been inactive for nine months prior to this fight. And even in a post-fight interview, he said that he he had to lose uh, quite a bit of weight, uh, I think around 25 pounds, in order to get down to this fight. And he said that that may have affected his ability to be dynamic. He's a he's a he's a good fighter, not necessarily great, but he's a good fighter. As we already know, Danny Garcia is a your classic counter puncher. He's not necessarily the type that's necessarily going to be coming forward all the time on the attack. His main thing is counter punching. But uh, I, I was looking on boxing Twitter. And uh, one fighter that threw his name out there that he would love to fight Garcia would be uh, Lippin' Yes. And that would be some, somewhat of an uh, interesting fight because he has yeah. all the chance. Uh, and at, at the same time, he's, he's, been a belt, he's been a belt holder, so he knows he has what it takes to be on that championship level. And uh, he would definitely have more experience and more firepower going against Danny Garcia uh, in, in, the, in the supposed fight. Hopefully we'll probably see Garcia back around, I'm guessing April, May, something like that. But, uh, I mean, definitely interesting fights, but we, we definitely don't see no top-level fights. We got to see it with, with so many people just uh, just have their own situations they're locked up into, whether it be Spence with the recovery, Pacquiao with clinical career, and he's only going to fight twice a year anyway, if, if that. Uh, I mean, so basically he has to be a PBC fighter for the most, as we already know. But, I mean, it, it was, it was, I mean, Garcia, it was, it was a solid performance. It, it wasn't great. You know, but he he did what he had to do. And he was he was he's very sharp and in his punches and his jabs, things like that. So I, I appreciate his performance. So, but nothing nothing critical to say about that. There you go. Yeah, um, you know, with you bringing up that uh, suggestion of Danny Garcia fighting Sergey Lipin, yes, that's you know one of the guys that you know is out there in the welterweight division uh, that's, you know, waiting for his next type of step-up fight at welterweight to kind of, like, see if he is a serious contender uh, for a welterweight championship. And, you know, Danny Garcia, like I said, having this uh, early uh, fight in the year, uh, he should be able to fight again, uh, whether it's, like, in May or June or something like that to kind of like, you know, have him still be active in the ring because, you know, yeah, Manny Pacquiao has this whole thing with his senatorial duties. Uh, Errol Spence Jr., we don't know what his actual status is as far as, like, getting back into the ring, regardless of, you know, what he said to, was it Brian Kenny or whatever it was. Um, So, you know, why not have that fight between Danny Garcia and Sergey Lippin? Yes, particularly when I don't think the WBO has um, defined who their mandatory contender is now. You know, since, um, you know, Terrence Crawford honored his mandatory uh, against um, uh, his opponent then um, in December. So, you know, right now, you know, with his win over Kowalowski, he doesn't have to 
fight it mandatory for another, you know, 12, 11 months. Um, and the WBO has to make that decision of like, okay, who's going to, you know, fight for that mandatory position. Uh, so, you know, until then, why not have Danny Garcia against Sergey Lipinets, uh for that WBO mandatory spot? And that way, you know, whoever wins, they would be able to face um, Terrence Crawford, you know, for the WBO title by the end of this year. Because, uh, you know, I don't necessarily see um, Crawford fighting, you know, those other uh, world you know, world title holders at welterweight. So why not have that belt, uh, have that uh, fight take place so that that will give a little bit more clarification on who Terrence Crawford would be facing later on in 2020, you know? Um, uh, Terrell, what, what do you think about, uh, what, uh, Jared Hurd was, uh, doing? Cause I have uh, a couple of comments, uh, to follow up his, you know, Jared Hurd's, uh, performance. Yeah, that, that was, that's why it was interesting too, uh, given the fact that Hurd had the, the change in trainer, uh, the change in, uh, demeanor and just print on a new, new person per se and everything. Uh, the guy he fought came up from 147. Uh, as usual, uh, Jared was 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 definitely physically the larger guy inside the ring. Uh, but I tell you something, something that I took notice of. Jared, he, he's to me, he's lost his uh, swag. He's lost that that dog in him, and I'm I'm not saying it's totally gone, because he's definitely competitive, and definitely competed last night. But you know, prior to him losing the J, his title to J Rock uh, last year, right? We typically, when we see you sort of, uh, Jared in the ring, that dude, is, he's just coming to fight. He's going to beat you down. He's a side. He still has some great tools to copy those things as well. But to me, this for me, I didn't really see that, that dog in him last night. And even when uh, in some of the, the, the interviews up to the fight, he said that he ultimately regretted not to it. It's very hard for him not to take the rematch with uh, J-Rock again right away and, and instead of walking away from that. And of course, uh, going on to this fight against last night, against the guy last night. So I mean, somebody is going to need to get just to motivate him. And uh, and, and the reason why I say that, if you don't bring that dog in you on that championship level, then someone's going to come in and beat you. And at this point, being that he's without his titles, right, a, a loss will be a, a huge setback for him. Of course, that didn't happen last night. We know that. But even going to his next fight. If it's if it's someone if it's in the top ten, top twenty, something like that, if he don't bring that dog in him and get that swag back, he could definitely suffer a loss, and that would definitely be a setback for him. Because even at this point, J-Rock lost his titles. We know that's the worst scenario. So at this point, even right now, a rematch between Hurd and J-Rock is not really viable right now. I mean, there's no, there's gonna be a, there's not a public demand for that. Even Hurd himself says he wants to uh, uh, redo that, uh, redo that fight. That's his only loss. He wants to finish his loss. We know that. But uh, at this point, I just hope he just get that ball back in that we, uh, we're accustomed to seeing with him. So that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, you know, with uh, Jared Hurd, he did have um, some comments about him, you know, fighting Jamel Charlo. Um, you know, that was, you know, kind of like part of his plans when, you know, I spoke with him before. Uh, he went into that fight uh, that he had on the 
Wilder Fury card on December 1st, 2018, in that he wanted to, you know, have a couple of fights at 154 pounds before moving up to 160. And, you know, with that loss to Williams, uh, that, you know, threw, threw off his plans. And he had to, you know, see about regrouping. And, you know, him kind of like changing his overall style and things like that, um, you know, makes him a different type of fighter to work with. And, you know, while, you know, this, his fight style has changed, it may have uh, changed his overall hunger uh, that he had before. Um, yeah, he's not, you know, basically trying to walk down uh, fighters uh, anymore, or at least not in this particular bout uh, that he had. Uh, so he wanted to work on his uh, defensive uh, prowesses in this particular matchup. And so, you know, maybe that gives a couple of different wrinkles to his overall game, but will that be a factor uh, if he goes on to face Jamel Charlo for the WBC Super Welterweight Championship? Uh, Jay Rock said he's going to, you know, exercise his rematch clause against Jason Rosario. So uh, that fight will be coming up later on down the line this year. And then if they do organize for uh, Jared Hurd to fight uh, Jamel Charlo, uh, that would be, you know, another fight that's later on down the line because, you know, um, Charlo had plans to, you know, try to unify with the J-Rock before J-Rock lost. Now it's like, okay, who does he fight next? Uh, he doesn't, he wasn't necessarily interested in, you know, giving Harrison a third fight. Uh, Erickson Lubin is the number one contender uh, right now, and he's already defeated Erickson Lubin. So, I mean, other than uh, Brian Carlos Castaño, Jared Hurst the only other option, and that's probably the, you know, most lucrative fight that could be made at this particular point for Jamel Charlo. So I think that is what's going to end up being uh, next uh, for uh, Jamel Charlo and uh, Jared Hurd. So, I mean, that's you know, kind of like what we got here in this uh, at this juncture uh, right now. So um, that's what we had. Um, yeah. Even even in uh, Hurd's uh, interviews, he said that in his, in his change up style, he said that before he lost his title to, J- to J-Rock, he always wanted to be in fight of the year candidates. And then from that fight, from the J-Rock, J-Rock lost, when he got uh, he beat up in that fight, he now says one like I said wants to work on uh, more be more defensive minded and in that regard and employ that style. Now with that said, guess who uh, doesn't necessarily win, uh, excite the crowd, not necessarily crowd pleasing, but even if he does get into a fight with Charlo, that's gonna be a war. <laughs> if, he, if he sits back trying to uh, play the defense fighter and change up in, in that fight. That's that's gonna be a in my in my regard a bad strategy because uh, Charlo is definitely gonna come out swinging and being aggressive the entire contest. And from what I saw last night from Hurd, it doesn't suggest that he's a defensive genius at this point. So so if if, if Hurd Hurd and Charlo does fight, it's gonna be a fight of your can because it's gonna be a war. Just and just due to the fact that how aggressive Charlo is in his style. So I don't know we'll see. Yeah, I think Terrell on to something. Um, it's definitely, like, so he got hit less. We, I think most people would agree on that with the little 
style of like ducking and rolling, uh, using movement at the waist. He got hit less, and I think him using that in spots will save him from getting hit when he uses it in spots. But at the end of the day, when when that stopped working, when that doesn't work as effectively against like a top level fighter like a J Rock or Charlo, he gonna go back to what he know and hopefully try to bully them. But um, now if he could do that, that movement at the waist and also counter from that, that would be a different story because, you know, he would dodge punches and then make people pay for it. Now, that that's, that would be mm-hmm. game-changing for him, but just how it stands now, him just using it to move and all he's doing is just expending energy, he's going to have to go back to the style that works for him. And... You know, at least in that last fight, he didn't look strong at all against J-Rock. He didn't look strong against J-Rock. And J-Rock was kind of pushing him around. And so, Charlo, yeah, it might be similar, similar, like, might be similar against Charlo, just depending on how, you know, how strong you look out of him. Yeah, because the thing about it is, is that Charlo is, you know, one guy that is a power puncher. Um you know, kind of, he kind of like sets up his power shots a lot. Um, I don't think, well, he kind of like sets it up as far as like trying to counter uh, with his power shots. Um, he doesn't necessarily open things up with the jab uh, as much as I feel that he should, um, in particular against, you know, Tony Harrison for the majority of that fight. It was Tony Harrison beating them to the punch multiple times. And, you know, also getting in combinations before, um, you know, Jamel Charlo could throw a shot. Uh, so if uh, Jared Hurd could work work on being more active with his hands, trying to, you know, become first uh, against his opponents, then maybe he'll have, you know, a little bit of success uh, if he does, you know, go up against Jamel Charlo. But, you know, that's something that um, – you know, remains to be seen if he's going to be, you know, able to continuously work on that and solidify that uh, for him to, you know, have a shot to defeat Jamel Charlo if they do fight later on down the line. Uh, for those listening live on Blog Talk Radio, uh, you could call in 347-237-5539 and be sure to uh, catch the podcast later on down the line on Anchor.fm or Spotify or iTunes or Google Podcasts. Um, moving on, you have um, the fight card coming up next week. That is on the zone. Uh, that is headlined by the WBO middleweight championship fight between Demetrius Andrade and Luke Keeler. But I want to talk about another fight that is on this uh, card. No, I'm not talking about the Jake Paul Ali Gibb fight. No, I'm not talking about that fight. I'm talking about the IBF Super Featherweight Championship fight between Tevin Farmer and Jojo Diaz. This one here is, I think, is going to be not only like the fight of the night, but I think it's going to be one of the better fights that we're going to see over the pe- over the next, you know, few months of 2020. Um, both fighters are looking forward 
for this matchup. Um, you know, Jojo Diaz, you know, initially called out Tevin Farmer after, you know, winning a version of the WBA title. Um, you know, they talked a lot of smack face to face, uh, on a couple of occasions. And so, you know, Tevin Farmer said like, yo man, just go ahead and make this fight, make this fight happen. I don't care what needs to be done, make this fight happen. And so it is official, it's going to happen, and uh, you're going to see, you know, someone in with the defensive prowess of a Tevin Farmer against uh, Joseph Jojo Diaz, who is really focused on, you know, coming forward, and once he comes forward, tries to, you know, wear down his opponents, uh, you know, before he gets the advantage in that particular fight. Um, this is, you know, Diaz's second uh, attempt at a, you know, former world championship as he did lose to Gary Russell Jr. Uh, in the featherweight division uh, for that WBC version of the featherweight title. Uh, so this will be his second chance. And, uh, yeah, he said he's, you know, willing and and, and ready to go. Um, you know, I had overheard him uh, in the uh, in the conference call uh you know last week and you know he's very confident that he'll be able to you know wear down Tevin Farmer and that you know Tevin Farmer is not necessarily um as offensively skilled as a Gary Russell Jr. is and that he feels that he'll be able to corner or trap uh Tevin Farmer to wear him down uh to nullify what Farmer does defensively. So uh, that's something that, you know, I'm kind of like looking forward to for that particular fight. Uh, any thoughts on that fight and uh, how that could possibly turn out? Yeah, for me, this just is all about Tevin Farmer. Uh, belt holder, we know that. Uh, and mainly why for me, I'm interested in this fight, is uh, I, I do expect Farmer to win this fight. This fight it probably will be a farm burner. Uh, Jojo Diaz, which is a two-time ch- uh, world title challenger, has came up short, but nevertheless, he has another opportunity here with Tevin Farmer. Uh, and really, the, my main interest for, for Farmer, his name continues to be mentioned in other fights, right? So, of course, before you can uh, other fights can come to fruition, you got to uh, knock out what's in front of you. So I hope that he can just maintain his focus, uh, show us some skill level, show us that he is a the champion that he is, uh, like, like when he last beat uh, Joe Nocaro, things like that. But like I said, I definitely expect a barn burner. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. And my main thing, I want Farmer to come out of this fight victorious. Uh, no knockdowns, not suffering any knockdowns, and definitely not suffering being hurt in that regard, stuff like that. But I do expect Farmer to win in a barn burner. But like I said, I'm interested for him for other fights he, he continues, to be, continues to be missioning. Even though uh, we have history, been offered a contract, I think uh, I forgot whose team. I, I think Tank's team that that uh, missed last last year where he got the contract and reportedly turned it down, things like that. But like I said, he keeps been mentioned in other fights, so I do want him to come out victorious so we can see what's going going forward for him. Yeah, he did have the you know whole ordeal about him potentially fighting. Gavante Tank Davis and you know the whole thing with the offer on one side through uh, Matchroom Boxing and then um, you know Mayweather Promotions and Leonard Ellaby responded with uh, you know kind of like an offer on it of their own 
and Tevin Farmer declined it, and once he declined it, they ended up moving on. Uh, so, you know, now with, you know, Gavante Davis moving on, uh, him having that fight in Atlanta against Uriokas Gamboa, uh, winning by stoppage in the 12th round, and now he's kind of like going into the whole pay-per-view side of things uh, this year. That left uh, Tevin Farmer basically in the cold in, in that instance. And now he has his fight against Jojo Diaz where they, there has to be, you know, a couple of things that need to be ironed out for him as this is kind of like the last, I think it's the last fight that he's, you know, jointly promoted uh, with Matchroom Boxing and his own. So uh, he has to, you know, come through in this particular fight to see what would be next for him. Uh, he did call out a particular fighter uh, that he said that he wanted to fight uh, after this particular bout with JoJo Diaz if he scores a win. Uh, and that could, you know, kind of determine where he ends up going after this particular bout. But I'll get into that a little bit more uh, after I hear from Brother Mike Grady. What you got? Jojo Diaz, I forgot which fight. Um, like, I remember the name, but I forgot the style of Jojo Diaz. Who was who the major fight he, you said he fought against now? Gary Russell Jr. And it didn't turn out well for him. Uh, yeah, he, he, he didn't, uh, you know, end up, you know, Staying consi- stay consistent in that particular bout. Uh, he had early success, uh, but then uh, you know ended up fading uh, later. You know later on down the line and lost by unanimous decision. There. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so I can't really speak on it because I forgot how he fights. Um, and like I've watched a couple of his fights, but I just don't remember. And yeah, but you know, Tevin Farmer is our close to modern day uh, sweet pea, you know, in the way that he fights at times. And um, I mean, I like watching Tevin Farmer fight, he's exciting to me. And I mean, he's just vulnerable enough to where his fights are always interesting. That's not a good thing for him, but I mean, he always has. Even when he went in, his fight still seemed <laughs> seemed interesting. He just be like he be like he be like an inch away from from getting like knocked silly. It seemed like to me, but uh, yeah, I like watching him. In terms of the other cards, uh, Andrade, I'm not sure. Uh, it'd be nice to see them fight. You know, the top level fighters. I mean, maybe that's because people don't want to fight him. Maybe it's because of whatever other reason, but you know it'd be nice to see the, the top level fighters fight each other, so we can kind of know who is who is the top guy, as opposed to everybody just having this claim to the throne and it's this unwarranted claim without people actually putting it all on the line for us to really say. But in one way, we can say, you know, through test by fire, who probably has the greatest claim to be number one. And to me, that would be, I'm saying the subjects, but to me, that would be um, 
Errol Spence and not trying to be funny, Pacquiao's still up there, you know, because while we think that Errol Spence would be Pacquiao, which I think everybody would say that, and we think that Terrence Crawford would be Pacquiao, Pacquiao beat Keith Thurman, which Keith Thurman would would have been in earlier terms competitive against everybody else. I mean, I think most people would say Errol Spence was favored against him, but hell, in terms of beating Danny and um, Sean, Keith Thurman beat both of those guys. And then Pacquiao beat him. I think um, I think um, Sean would be a bad matchup for Pacquiao, but all I'm saying is the top guy, in my opinion, is um, is Errol Spence, and then you got a couple other guys who under him. But Terrence Crawford need to fight somebody um, just for him to just claim that he's number one and stuff, because otherwise it's unwarranted. All right, I'm done. Hey, Mike. <laughs> yes, hey, Mike. Just 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 to capitalize on what you said uh, in terms of uh, speaking on the, the welterweight division. I'm sure you guys can both remember that uh, probably about two three years ago. Here on this very show, uh, we were basically still in the Mayweather area, uh, era, that is, when Mayweather May was still active. So that was still, that was, I don't want to say it's four or five years ago. Maybe it's been that long. I don't know. But Mayweather was still active. And at that point, we had a lot of people undefeated, uh, Thurman, Porter, people like that. And everybody was basically fine holding out to get that Mayweather fight, that golden ticket, so you get that huge pay-per-view payday. Uh, now, and now you pass forward now. It's very inter- interesting now, like Mike said, now, finally, everyone's finally fighting each other. We've had uh, Thurman against Porter, Thurman Garcia, uh, Pacquiao, uh, Pacquiao, Thurman, Porter fought, uh, and Porter Spence, things like that. Now, all these, all these guys are finally, finally fighting each other. Can continue to get that in other divisions, that would be truly great, uh, particularly at 160, leading with Andre. Uh, he he needs to dominate this weekend. He needs, to and that's what's going to get him uh, uh, to make him a, a compelling opponent to get other fights, things like that. Uh, but he just needs to fight other people, like we have, like we finally have in the welterweight division, which continues to be likely the the best division in boxing in terms of action, in terms of uh, talent at the top of the division. Now, for me, I think we would have had some type of clarity. Um, in the middleweight division, if they would have went ahead and um, had Canelo fighting Andrade um, instead of you know his fight against Kovalev, uh, but they you know went on ahead and you know chose to go with that Kovalev route instead, and you know that kind of like you know made things muddled up a little bit. Uh, in the middleweight division, at least for me, I thought it was, you know, because um, you had Andre that that had the WBO title at the time. Um, You had Canelo Alvarez, who, you know, had scored wins over uh, Gennady Golovkin and over Daniel Jacobs, you know, up to that particular point. And so it would have been Canelo Alvarez and Demetrius Andrade, and that would have been, you know, at the time, if they would have made that fight immediately, it would have probably, I think, it would have been for the undisputed middleweight championship. 
But since they didn't go forward with that particular fight first, then they didn't go ahead and have the IBF mandatory honored and naming Canelo Alvarez the franchise champion in the WBC. Now it was like, okay, now who who can you tell is the you know the top guy in the middleweight division? And so that just clouded everything up when you had Canelo Alvarez uh, make the decision that he did uh, in order to you know to choose uh, to fight Sergey Kovalev instead of those guys in the middleweight division. And now with uh, Demetrius Andrade, here he is with another one of these you know, voluntary defenses of the WBO middleweight title uh, where he's not, you know, he's not fighting Jamel Charlo and uh, whether, you know, people say that, you know, there was an offer to Charlo or not. The fact of the matter is that fight is, you know, not necessarily in the cards right now. Um, so, you know, after this, it's like, okay, who does – who does Andre fight next? Because Gennady Golovkin is not going to fight him. He's he's concerned about fighting Camille Cesare Meta for his mandatory defense of his recently won IBF title. So then what's next, you know? And we had the news a couple of days ago or a few days ago that Andre signed a four-fight extension with Matchroom Boxing. So... Now with this uh, extension that he has with Matchroom Boxing, it's like, okay, you get this extension. Now what is, what is Matchroom going to do for you in order to, you know, um, advance your career, particularly in the middleweight division? Uh, you know, they've kind of, you know, done things for uh, Gennady Golovkin. They co-promote with Gennady Golovkin. Um, you know, they work with Daniel Jacobs. You know, he's you know, Matchroom has got Daniel Jacobs to get that fight with, um, you know, Canelo Alvarez. And then he had the whole thing with uh, little Chavez. So now it's like, okay, Andre, what are they going to be able to do for Demetrius Andre? And that's something that uh, remains to be seen right now is what they're going to do uh, with him. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of like what I'm looking out for with uh, Demetrius Andre. Um I mean, you do you know, also have uh, you know, this fight between Daniel Roman and Mirajan Akhmadaliev for the Unified Super Bantamweight Championships. Daniel Roman is like one of the top guys there in the Super Bantamweight division um, that has Emmanuel Navarrete, you know, one of the most active uh, world champions out there in the sport of boxing and also uh, Ray Vargas uh, there that's you know still undefeated and the WBC uh, super bantamweight champ. Uh, he's going and uh, Daniel Romano is going up against um, Akhmadaliev, uh, who ha- uh, is a you know fairly known amateur fighter. I think he you know won the, won a medal in the uh, Olympic Games uh, that he was involved in. Uh, there setting an O uh, and. You know, a lot of people are, you know, looking forward to this particular fight. I mean, including um, the promoter for Tevin Farmer um, is uh, kind of looking forward to this particular fight as well, Lou DeBella. Um, so, 
that that kind of like goes into what we you know have in this particular fight card with at least three fights that you know could potentially have uh lots of action um and that doesn't include the um you know the card with uh Jake Paul and Ali Gibbs so uh it's really it's really uh you know pack card you also have Anthony Sims Jr against uh Romer and Gulo um as part of this card as well uh that'll be on his own so that's kind of you know what we have as far as like a overall stack card I I just wish it was you know on the on the 1st instead of uh Thursday uh, January 30th uh there so I mean that that's what we got in this particular fight card you know um, just seeing here, I mean, that's that's basically what we have for, you know, that next weekend. Um, the following weekend on uh, the 8th, you do have Kel Brook that's going to be in action against Mark DeLuca. Uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux will face uh, Laborio Solis. Um, and that is uh, part of that uh, fight card with uh, Gary Russell uh, going up against uh, Tooks. Tuxot Nyambayar uh, for his mandatory defense of the uh, WBC featherweight championship. So uh, those are, you know, a couple of things that, you know, I'm kind of like looking ahead to uh, in the month of February. And, and of course, you do have the um, WBC and Ring Magazine uh, heavyweight championships on the line February 22nd with Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fighting for the second time. So um, month of February is going to be, you know, fairly active uh, there in the boxing scene that that we have. Um, of course, with uh, Wilder and Fury having their uh, two press conferences, uh, with the recent, well, the recent one being uh, yesterday uh, over in Los Angeles. So uh, that's what we kind of like get there uh, so far. So uh, any thoughts about any of these other fights that are coming up in the month of February? Well, I just want my $100 from uh, from Charles after Deontay Wilder win. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to send him a message. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to remind him, man, because, man, that gummit freaking LSU beat Clemson, man. I'm, I'm still soaking about that one, so you, you might have to get him back on that. <laughs> Oh, oh, y'all made a Oh, you thought bet that Clemson was going to win? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah, kind of upset at, 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 at the result of that one. So, uh, Terrell, what you got on it? Yeah, give me a quick rundown of what's going on in February. Obviously, we know about Wilder Fury, too. Uh, one other fight, too, that's of some interest to me is, uh, I think, February 1st, uh, Mike Dallas and Ugas. And and the reason why I mentioned that Ugas Ugas is uh, likely not definitely just 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 talk at this point is a likely opponent for Errol Spence Jr. Uh, like I said, Spence said he wants to come back and fight a top opponent. We don't know who's going to be available and if he's truly ready for that. But Ugas uh, is a tough is a tough fighter. Uh, definitely somebody that can give him a, a good fight and and help him showcase showcase his skills. Uh, even with that said, we know that uh, Spence Watt Porter beat Porter. We know that. 
and uh, Porter himself uh, narrowly beat Ugas. So that would be uh, a, a, a good a good measuring game to see where Spence is at. Uh, I think we got Kowinaki in February too against uh, I forgot the Hellenius uh, or something like that. So it's it's like no, that's a, a March seventh. March March. Sorry about that. So what what else is going yeah. on in February? Yeah, so you do have, um, like you said, the thing with uh, your Dennis Hugas and Mike Dallas, uh, that will be on uh, February 1st. And then uh, February uh, 8th, you do have uh, Kel Brook that will be in action. Um, you have Guillermo Rigandau against Liberio Solis. Uh, that will be in the card in Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, headlined by uh, Gary Russell Jr. against Tugshot and Leon Bayard. Uh, for that WBC uh, featherweight championship, so um, that's kind of you know what we have on slate for the next couple of weeks uh, here. Caleb um, Plant, like then, one of these weekends, right? Yeah, Caleb Plant and uh, Figan Boots is the 15th. That should be February 15th. Uh, and also, uh, Ryan Garcia will be fighting Francisco Fonseca on February 14th as well. So you will have, um, you know, the uh, who is they have King Rai. King Rai will be in action uh as well within the next couple of weeks. Ryan Gar- Ryan Garcia, why did he just lead up with that? That's the main thing we need to talk about. Ryan Garcia. He has a huge Instagram and Twitter following, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> well well I mean, hey, since he since he has since he has a large social media following, maybe he should fight Logan Paul. <laughs> But no, just uh, even even on Ryan Garcia, I mean he's a fighter that that's continued to grow into into the sport of boxing. Uh, even though he has high aspirations, we know he's not ready for no one at the top of his division right now. We know that. But he himself said he he's feeling stronger. He's getting older, of course, he's growing into his frame, so that's good for him. So uh, maybe even even some like uh, I think uh, last year, Tank said there's no way that Garcia's ready to fight him. That's a fight that's down the line because right now, uh, if he if he's a fight tank, tank would definitely destroy him and destroy his career at this point. We know that. But as far as other fights you mentioned in February, I'm I'm very interested in Kell Brook fighting. Uh, had a lot of inactivity, one fight over the last year, something like that. Uh, even that didn't didn't look great at all, and we know that. Uh, Kell Brook himself said that he wants to have a great year. Uh, and even now, with the with the flux of movement in at 150, which is 154, it would definitely behoove him to come out and have a great fight, show his full skill set, and basically, in a sense, to reannounce his presence within that division. Uh, we got uh, Rosario uh, just like to grab two titles from, from J Rock. We know that uh, that's probably going to go come back in a rematch more than likely uh, with after contracts and all that things fall in place. Uh, we are we already know about Charlo. We know that. But it's it's a great opportunity for for uh, Kell Brook to announce himself and say, "Hey, I'm here. I'm am I am a top contender at 154." So that's probably outside of Fury and and outside of Fury and Joshua, uh, I'm definitely uh, more or less paying attention to, to Kell Brook as he wants to uh, show us what he got. So here he is, and we're gonna see where's that everything with the division. So he definitely can can. Uh, figure within this vision and figure out the top fights, but it's all about the performance and we'll see what he does. Yeah, right. Um, you know, with his uh, particular what he what he could be able to do is um, get himself positioned to you know 
have an outside shot of fighting for one of those titles at 154 pounds. Um, so uh, you do have to, you know, keep on the lookout for uh, Kill Brook in uh, his fight uh, that's coming up in February as well, uh, because uh, he, well, while he did have some aspirations of trying to see if he could <laughs> get himself in a rematch <laughs> against um, Errol Spence, um, but, you know, he could, you know, also have potential uh, fights against those uh, guys that are challenging him uh, at 154 pounds or, you know, our current champions at 154 pounds. So uh, that's something that we, you know, should be on the lookout for uh, with uh, Kel Brook after he does have his uh, match against Mark DeLuca on uh, February 8th. I think it's scheduled for, uh, you know, I did uh, mention the thing with Caleb Plant against P- uh, Vincent Feigenbutt, uh where he's going to, you know, defend his version of the super middleweight championship. Um, you know, he potentially could be uh, facing uh, was it David Benavidez who has the WBC version of that super middleweight championship, uh, you know, later on down the line uh, that would kind of like serve as the uh, fight for the top position at 168 pounds uh, for some, although others may feel that uh, Callum Smith is the top guy at 168. Uh, but, you know, we got to see how Caleb Plant does here against Fegan Butts. Um, you know, uh, here in the next couple of weeks and see how, how he, you know, kind of like shakes his claim as, you know, one of the top guys or the top guy at 168 pounds. So, uh, that's, you know, another thing that I'm kind of like looking out for. Um, you do have, you know, a, another fighter there at super middleweight, uh, former, former champion at super middleweight, Caleb Truax. Uh, will be part of that fight card as well. So that is something, you know, I'm kind of like looking out for uh, to see what Caleb Truex does um, against his opponent, Ernest Amuzu. So, uh, you know, if him him getting that win could, you know, put him in position to, you know, fight for um, a world title uh, later on down the line, um, he would probably end up being the next highest rated uh, contender for the IBF championship uh, if he gets his uh, win on the 15th of February. So uh, that's also something I'm kind of like looking out for. Um, You know, that pretty much like covers most of what, you know, I could uh, say about um, what's happened over the course of the week in boxing, other than, you know, some, someone breaking into uh, Chris Eubank Jr.'s house and just, you know, looting the stuff in, taking a few things, but, you know, not taking uh, a couple of, uh, you know, specific valuables. So, um, hey, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I got, you know, so far. Um, you'll, you'll get back into it uh, next week. Um, we'll see what's happened, what happens on uh, February 1st, and we'll talk about it February 2nd, uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Um, yeah, the sister show, the Kohar Truth on Sports, uh, that is, uh, scheduled for, uh, Tuesdays at, uh, 8.30 p.m. 
uh, Eastern time. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, and like I said, the end of every show, folks, point of boxing is to hit and not get hit, not to stand and trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. <laughs>